I'm very, very thankful for all of you today. It's one of those days. I actually, on my notes today, it says, welcome and love on them. That's what it says. You don't believe me. Love on them. You don't believe me, Jill? So, it's true. Would you say you want to see it? Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I'll bring you up here. Um, I really do. I'm very, very thankful. I'm so blessed, man. So blessed by you guys. So many cool people here. Um, there's some of you I haven't even met, but I know you're really cool because people I love that go here talk about you. And man, I'm telling you, you're just really special people. You're special people. You don't believe that um, because that's just how it is, right? You don't think you're special because you're fully aware of all your faults and that's the, that you kind of think that's all you are, but you're, you're really special people. And God loves you. Um, and you're not an accident and it's not a coincidence you're here. Um, so I just want you to know that. I'm thankful for you. You encourage me. This year, really, I don't know if it's been this year or a couple years, I've really been kind of concerned or obsessed with two different thoughts, and they're sort of connected. Thought one is the idea of holding God to his promises, right? That sounds so arrogant. How dare you? It really just means believing him, right? I realized in my life that a lot of times um, I don't hold him to his promises. I, like, make excuses for him. Like, he needs me. Well, you know, he's busy. That's why he doesn't answer my prayers. You know, those kinds of things. But he always is. So that's number one, right? If you've been here a while, you know I said that. But number two is this idea that we're missing something. You know, that we shouldn't be the mopiest people in town, Christians. And I feel like a lot of times we are. And part of the reason is, and this is the allure we talked about tribes. It kind of fits in with last week, our, our very last one, when we talked about the boundary lines. That's the allure of false gospels. That's the allure of false teachings, which is really sad in a way, because it promises, right? If, you, if you've ever listened to some of these, you know, by the way, not every huge church is a false church. People tend to think that, right? Just an aside, you know, that's really just jealousy sometimes. But let's say some of those big ones where we know they don't say truth. I'm not going to say names, and if you've watched them, I get sucked in. They're so happy and joyful, and there's candy and, you know, ice cream. and all. I don't know. It just is a very fun place, it's like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Right? Everyone's having a good time. And that's really sad that it seems like the only way we think we can be joyful is to not follow the truth. And we kind of do that. And I bet you do that too, right? I mean, you're faithful, so you, you follow and you listen and you obey and you go to church because you do love God and you believe in God, but your faith in God is somewhat limited to his position. He's king and he's Lord, you get that. But ugh, most of the time it's just a reminder of what we're not. I want to read a section real quick. And I want you to think of this as though you've never heard it before, all right? Matthew chapter 11 be four through six. When you got it, say you got it. I already, you guys have already read yourselves out. You don't even look in your Bibles. You're just waiting for this, right? But for those who are, um, if you got it, you say you got it. That's just me buying time for you. All right. <clears throat> Jesus replied to them. Um, John's disciples had come and asked. He was in jail, and they sent his disciples. John wanted to say, go find out if this is who I the Messiah, right? Go see if this is what's happening. This is what Jesus replied to them. Go and report to John what you hear and see. Listen to this. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cleaned, cleansed, excuse me, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are told the good news. And blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. <laughs> that could have been. And then jump down to verse 28. 
You got that? You can do no? Yeah? Just move. Just just move. Yeah, there you go. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Pretty famous verse. We all know it. We all say amen. Here's the deal. Why don't you feel like your burden is light? Why don't you feel like the yoke is easy? Right? <clears throat> I could raise, you know, I guess we'll try it. Maybe I'm wrong here. Raise your hand if you feel like the burden of, is, is, is uh, light. Right? Raise your hand. Three of you. Good. That's awesome. Right? How many of you feel like it's heavy? Yeah. Yeah, and that's cool, man. It's, what I love about those moments is, you know, some people are strong in certain areas. Some people aren't. But a lot of you raised your hand. So what do you do with that? What do we do with that probably a 90, over 90% of you raised your hand and said, this does not feel easy, right? It doesn't feel light. Well, we already know you're a believer. You're in the seat. You don't think God's lying to you, right? You don't. Maybe you do, but you don't say it, right? Or you think it's an analogy. I don't know if you do what I do, but a lot of times I'll be like, well, clearly this is some sort of symbolism. It isn't really easy and light. But I don't think that's the case. So I start thinking, why is it feel, why does it feel heavy? Why does it feel hard? Why does everyone feel weary all the time? Why do like you walk in, not all the time, I think we're cool, I think we're pretty joyful, but sometimes you walk in and you're like, everyone is just, I'm one of them, man. I'm the king of Eeyores. I've told you that. So I start thinking about that. Why? Why is it like that? And sometimes, you know, we want an easy answer. You want an easy answer. And already, some of you are checked out. I already know because I would do this. You're checked out because you've heard these sermons, and you think it's one of these ones where I tell you that it's easy and light, and blah, 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 and then you're ready to go home, and you're going to clap and sing at the end, and some of you might come down here and kneel, but you're just ready to get out of here. One, you're wrong. But two, um, if that's the case, then how come as soon as you walk out, it's heavy again? It's heavy again. Today is one of those days when, as I've kind of studied this and thought through it, it's going to seem like it's not encouraging. It's going to seem that way. But there is encouragement in it. But we have to be able to look at the truth in order to receive the encouragement. Because here's what I think, and I've said this before. We overcomplicate this thing. We do. And it's human nature. We overcomplicate things. We take simple things and we go, you know what? It can't, this cannot be it. There has to be more to this. And so we look for the deeper levels, right? That just seems like such a Christian thing, too. Ten ways to reach the deeper levels of grace, right? We want that because it seems simple, and it takes away faith. It really does. If I give you the ten steps, what do you need faith for? You just follow the ten steps. Here's the subtle thing about those kinds of thoughts that you have. Even though your heart loves Jesus and you're probably, you don't mean to, what you're really doing in those moments is you're taken over again. You're thinking you earned it. You think you've done anything to keep this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this to you very gently. Nothing you do is, ever makes up for what Jesus did for you. You don't earn it. You're not a good person in relation to him on your own merit. I told you. The encouragement comes at the end. But it's the truth. That's the truth. So <clears throat> what does that mean, though? Why, why, how can it be easy 
if most of it seems to be about what I need to change, right? Why do I need to change? What do I need to do? What do I need to do different? The reality is, and I'm going, I, I, I'm wrestling with how to, uh, I just get so excited. I almost tell you the punchline now. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to just break it to you gently. The fact of the matter is, the majority of the time, you choose the wrong thing. Okay? You do. And then another big section of the time, you think that you were confused and you accidentally chose the wrong thing. That's not true. It's not true. You didn't accidentally choose it. You didn't. Did you know that? If you're a Christian, you didn't accidentally choose to sin. You didn't accidentally fall into it. You didn't stumble into sin. That's not what happened. You chose it. Now, here's the thing you don't like either because this seems Christianese. And that's why when I became a Christian, all of these really powerful truths, when I talk to you awesome Christian people, and I, I don't know how many years I'm going to milk this because I've been a Christian a long time now, but I'm still milking it that I didn't grow up. When I think about it, you've just, you're so used to these powerful truths that they mean nothing to you. They do. You've just, you've heard it all. It makes me so mad at you, by the way, the times I do. You're like, I, I can see on your face, you're like, <laughs> I've heard 15 sermons on the yoke is easy, man. Right? You can't teach me anything else. Arrogant. Right? <clears throat> we choose the wrong thing. And what does God say about the wrong thing? What's the wrong thing? The wrong thing is anything that is contrary to God's will. Right? If we do the things he says not to do, or we don't do the things he says to do. We don't do the things he says to do. Y'all are really good sometimes, at least outwardly, about not doing the bad things, but you... You somehow don't attach doing the good things. And Jesus cared about that. You know, he's talking to the Pharisees. He said, I'm going to paraphrase. But he said, hey, you give your offering. You do all the right things, but you neglect the greater things of the law. Justice, mercy, right? love, taking care of the poor. When's the last time you took care of the poor? When's the last time you did something for someone poor. Todd, what's the definition of poor? Someone that doesn't have something you have. When is the last time you, kids, right? With your Gucci, you probably don't wear that, but anyway, right? <laughs> when do you, when is the last time that you help the poor? There's always someone more poor than you. Did you know that's really important to God? What did we talk about a few weeks ago? What you do for the least of these, you do for me. How much time do you spend serving the least of these? If you're mad already, I'm right, and you're wrong because you're already upset. By the way, I don't know your life, so that's not me. We choose wrong, and here's a... Oh, man, I'm losing words today. Here is a clue that we're going to talk about a little bit later today is whatever you choose to do, whether you choose the right thing or the wrong thing, you are becoming a slave to it. You can't play with sin. You can't play. You can't. I get it. You think that you can. See, Christianity, sometimes some of you all, you, you do use it. You're like, Todd, I don't use mine as a get out of you know, hell free card or get out of sin free card. Yeah, you do. Because how often do you actually think what I'm playing with leads to death? Right? Bigger case, people go to hell for what you play with. 
that's, that's a hard thing to hear. Well, Todd, I thought you don't, you know, I thought we don't earn it. Now that, that, there's a really powerful thing here. When people without Jesus go to hell for what you play with, for the toys that you play with, and you play with it because you're like, hey, I'm good. And what you, what you don't know and what is told to us, and this is the crazy thing about Christianity, you have choice. What I'm about to say for some of you in the room that aren't Christians, you're not going to like this, but it's the truth. You don't, get to cho- you don't choose right or wrong. You choose whatever you feel in the moment. So the times that you do right, it's because it benefits you. No, uh yeah, it is. You take care of poor people because it makes you feel good. You love people because it makes you feel good to love them, and they love you back. That's why Jesus says things like, I call you to love your enemy. Anybody will love their friend. Remember, he even says, listen, somebody will die for a friend, for a good person. What if I call you to die for a bad person? Can you love like that? So if that's who you are, and this is deep, and I'm hoping the Spirit's speaking to you today if you don't know Jesus, because he can help you understand this now. You can't choose right. You stumble into right sometimes. You can morally kind of keep yourself on a, on a decent path every now and then, but you don't really do it out of true selfless love, even if it feels that way. And then Christians coming back to you, that's really, really scary. Because, see, you do have choice. You're willingly walking into wrong. That's what you're doing. And that's hard to face. And I'm going to say it again because some of you all Christians, you long-term, yeah, I get it, right or wrong. No, you're choosing wrong. See, that's what I've had to face with myself. Sometimes I'll feel like temptation, whatever it is, right? It could be lust. It could be greed. It could be a lot of things. The temptation feels overwhelming, doesn't it? You ever have that moment when you're trying to do the right thing? Help me out. This is gonna don't only raise your hand if you really feel this way. Where you are like, I'm gonna do it, but it legitimately feels like a physical wall. Like you want to, but like you're pushing at it, right? Raise your hand if you ever felt that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's that's hard. And the truth is, after I've pushed for a really long time and it doesn't happen, I just say, Well, you know, I guess I just don't have to do it today, because if God really wanted me to do it, he'd make me be able to push through that wall. Oof. You don't do that? I do. And then I tell myself later when I'm racked with, you know, conviction, which quickly turns to shame and condemnation, that I'm a victim. And that's what happens, right? We're, you're victimized. What happens, the term victimized in our modern culture gets thrown around all the time. I'm a victim. You know, I'm this victimized. Why you would ever choose that identity is beyond me. Because let me tell you what a victim is, right? And if you're in your room, you might have been victimized in this room. Don't get me wrong. But you're not a victim. Because a victim means you're powerless. You're not powerless. So when you choose to say, I'm a victim, I just fell into my sin, what you're saying is you're powerless, well, as a Christian, is that true? I'm talking about myself, so maybe I ain't, I'm just preaching to Todd today because that's the way that I feel. So I want to ask you this before we move on, and, and i got a lot of Scripture, and I'm going to stop, and I'll paint the, the, the somewhat encouragement could come at the end. For some of you, for some of you, there might be deep conviction. 
But the encouragement comes when you, resp- when you respond to that. <clears throat> By the way, you're already here. You might as well listen, right? I mean, are you going to sit there for, you know, four hours until I'm done? <laughs> so if you can choose right, but you don't, you're choosing wrong. You're a slave to it. You're a slave. You aren't strong. You're not tough. You're a slave to it. We need to be honest right now. So how does this tie to the weariness? Because it saps our joy. It saps our love. It saps our self-esteem. Do you know that? And it's funny that the world's catching up to us. Let's just talk about it. Like, you know, the elephant in the room that's not as much an elephant. Pornography. It's interesting that the non-Christian world is catching up with what we've known which is the effects, right? They just call it the psychological effects, that it rewires your brain, that it saps your self-esteem. Men, even if you're not a Christian, you've probably heard this, right? I'm gonna, <laughs> I had to explain what some of these phrases mean. Um, but it, it saps our self-esteem. It affects the way we view the world. It affects our view of ourselves. It affects our interaction with the opposite sex. It affects how we view the opposite sex. It affects, depending on how deep it is, it can affect your intimate life, decisions you make at 14, 15 years old can affect your intimacy with your spouse. The world says that now. So I think that, to me, that's always been this crazy example of what God has said from the beginning. If you pursue things that aren't good for you, that I tell you aren't good for you, it will kill you. Just because you're still breathing doesn't mean you're dead. You're not dead. That your relationship's not dead, that your self-esteem's not dead, that your faith's not dead, right? That you're emotionally cold. All of these things. You think you're above it? Some of you men, you get frustrated. This is an aside. Women, too. You have an awkward interaction with the opposite sex. You feel like they always look at you weird and you feel awkward. Do you know why you really do that? It's because you believe they see what you've done in secret. That's a fact. I know how it works. I'm a guy. I've been there. And so you're talking to her, and whether you know it, sometimes you're like, does she know? You feel dirty. That's just pornography. It goes on and on. Why do divorces happen, right? What's the world say? Communication and money. Mm. Your brother or sister sins against you, go to them. If they have something against you, go to them. Be peacemakers. Wives, respect your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Right? What is counseling? It just teaches you how to do that. Be selfless, right? Do you see what I'm saying? There's layers here. Are you asleep? Because I'll go take a nap too. I'm real tired. I, I, took, I slept like two hours last night. Oh, dude, all right. That's you, Juju. You can't speak for them all. Anyway, <laughs> Juju's covering for you guys. Uh, <laughs> so I want to ask you this as we go on today. What are you a slave to? Because your wife doesn't know you think you're not a slave? Because you look successful to the world? How's your relationship with your kids? Well, I mean, it, it, you know, ladies, 
you get to live in a world where you're always the victim. It's always the big bad men, the big bad monster men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not true. That's not true. You want to hear a secret? Sometimes your marriages are bad because you do the wrong thing. Because you're selfish and disrespectful and sinful. But because the church today has become very feminized and you go to a pastor and the pastor knows that you're going to come to church. Your husband's only going to go because you go. So he's going to do whatever it takes to make you happy. Because if he wins you, then he wins the family. Because men, we just, right? Happy wife, happy life. Supposed to be holy wife. Some of you all think you love your wives really well when you're just selfish. Because you realize if you give her everything she wants, you never, you should encourage. But you never challenge, you never lead her in scripture because she doesn't want to, that you're loving her well when really you're just selfish because you just don't want to deal with drama. But the world's going to clap because you're giving her what she wants. Ladies, you don't want to hear this, but that's true, right? <clears throat> Why do you think they like the bad boys in all the movies, by the way? I'm just being honest. Don't you even pretend you don't. I don't. Jenny's like, I can't stand bad boys. Yeah, okay, Jenny. I know Luke. He's got tattoos. I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, Right? The point is, it's an aside as well. It's like, listen, they do because they don't want to feel the weight of everything. Right? And us bad boys, I'm just kidding. Uh, we don't, we don't, uh, we do what we want. Anyway, that's the problem. So I want to I stay with that today. Because I, I want you to think of this. What are you slaves to? And what don't you trust God in? What don't you trust him in? Because I'm going to tell you this right now. Maybe this will help you feel better. I don't trust him. I don't trust him in everything. I don't. And it affects the way that I approach my life. It affects the way I approach my ministry. It affects the way I approach everything that I do. Because at the end of the day, there's a level where I'm like, what if he doesn't come through? What if, what if he's not going to be there? i got to take care of me. <clears throat> Are you willing to face the fact that you're just choosing wrong? that you're not a victim. You've been victimized, some of you. I don't want to make light of that. And that can affect you, right? It can make the decision harder sometimes. But if you're a Christian, that's what the enemy wants you to believe, that you are a victim. When Scripture calls you an overcomer, calls you a saint, right? More than conquerors. You're not a victim. You have the ability to, and this is the hard part, we have the ability and we are empowered to choose right. So what does that mean about when we choose wrong? Are we going to be perfect on this side of heaven? No. We're going to talk. We're going to fit all that in. But just keep those in mind. Are you willing to face the truth about yourself and what you do in your life? And I feel like lately I've been supposed to, you know, talk to the teens because y'all in the front, which is silly of you, because um, I'm going to be there. But, but also, believe it or not, I uh, worked with teens way longer than I've worked with these adults because you guys are way cooler than them and you listen better and you're, you ask good questions. So the thing about it is a lot of you are even sad in school because you think that at 18, right, if you can just make it through this awkward period of middle school, get to 18, 19, 20, everything's going to come together. That's a lie. Okay, the adults are tricking you. Okay, <laughs> they're tricking you. Now, that doesn't mean that things don't get better. They do. 
But the decisions you make now, they do affect that. That the world, and you guys are in a tough place, way tougher than your parents, because you're being told all these lies, and everyone around you is going one way. And the pressure is to go that way, right? You want to be cool? you got to go that way. Do you want to be not cool? Then don't go that way. Well, I know how you are. You don't want to be the one not cool person, right? That's the illusion. You think you're, you're the not cool one. There's a right and a wrong way. And even if 100 people are going the wrong way, do you still want to go there? What if they're walking off a cliff and everybody's going? Do you want to go? That's the decision you have to make. And that's the decision, even though your parents don't tell you this, this is the decision they make when they go to work. It's a decision they make when they go to church. It's the same choice. And if you practice it now, you're going to be better than your parents. Right? They'll tell you that. I bet you. Right, guys? Right? Yeah? All right. If you have your Bibles, <laughs> I already know. Y'all rad yourself out. Bring your Bibles. Uh, the Gospel of John. Stay with me. I'm going I'm to paint a little picture. Gospel of John, chapter 14. We're going to start at verse 1. This is one of my favorite sections of the Gospel of John because Jesus is praying, and, he, and you get the sense I've brought it up a million times, and you're going to hear it a million more. He's telling everyone what's going to happen because he's getting closer to when he's leaving. So you get the sense that he's trying to get all the important stuff out, right? <clears throat> he prays for us, which, by the way, is so cool. Did you know he prayed for you? Jesus prayed for you. You're not, you're not an ant in an ant farm. He knew you, and he prayed for you. But let's start here. He says, and let this sink in. Is it, if these aren't just words, right? don't let your heart be troubled. Troubled, excuse me. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? I like that. He's essentially saying, listen, if it wasn't true, why would I say it to you? If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may also be. What a promise. He's coming back, and he's going to take you with him, right? He's going, he's not done. Drop down to verse um, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commands. If I based your love for God on how well you've kept his commands this week, Do you love him? How bitter are you? Do you love him? And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Right? I like some of the versions because they say, we'll give you a helper. Right? He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Okay, again, I get it, Christians. You're used to it. These are nice Aesop's fables. No, this is a fact. There's a spiritual side to things, and what it's promising us here is that this, whatever this counselor is, this spirit of truth, it's going to always be with you because it's inside of you. <clears throat> You're like, well, I don't believe that because I can't see it. Have you taken a look at your liver lately? Why do you believe that? Right? Drop down to, (laughs) it's true though. Drop down to 26, right? But the counselor, and here we go. 
He takes away the uh, mystery. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, and this is important, listen to this, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. David, you think that you think that's symbolism or you think that's a fact? You think he means that? Yeah. That's the wrong person to ask. I should have asked Hannah. Hannah, do you think he's being serious? You think peace I leave with you. Right after he says, I'm gonna send a spirit who's gonna teach you and remind you of everything I've told you, right? The, right after he says, Peace I leave with you. And I love this. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. I want to say this. What does he differentiate between the peace the world gives and the peace he gives? Because the peace that you will get from the world is always dependent on circumstances. It's always going to be dependent on how life goes. If you want real peace, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys. I'm not one of those pastors that's going to tell you that life is, is perfect and easy and you should be happy about all the terrible things that happen, the trials you go through. That's not true. That's a lie, and that ends up making you feel like something's wrong with you. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to grieve. In fact, Scripture says that, right? There's a time to laugh, and there's a time to cry. But peace can be found in those circumstances, but not if it's based on circumstances. And that's the truth. And he says right after that, because Jesus' peace isn't like that. In fact, he loves you enough to tell you the truth. Things are not going to be easier if you follow me. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. Man, I love Jesus. I'm serious. You're Christianese. Take it off. He just took the time to tell you at the end, don't be scared. Why would he say that? Because he knows you're going to be scared. Some of the men are like, I ain't ever scared. Liar. I'm going to put a lion in here with you, and you'll be scared, right? You ain't tough. Anyway, don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. So move on here. Stay with me. I'm going to connect it all for you probably. What does this promise you? Okay, he says, don't let your heart be troubled, right? I'm going away, and I'm going to prepare things, and I'm going to come back. And he says, in the meantime, I'm not just going to leave you. I could, but I'm not. When I leave, I'm going to send you a helper, and this helper will be with you always inside of you, and this helper is going to teach you things that I didn't even teach you yet, And it's going to remind you of everything that I've taught you so that you don't forget, so it doesn't have to be dependent on your your, uh, faulty memory. And he is never going to leave you. And then there's this connection between, okay, this Holy Spirit's inside of you. It's going to teach you, and it's going to remind you. Some of you all don't like to be taught and reminded. Me either, right? Once or twice after that. Josh, I know you don't like to be reminded. But you, right? You nodded. You ratted yourself out. So... Between teaching, reminding, and what? Peace. If you want peace, you have to remember what he told you. If you want the kind of peace that he gives, it comes through being reminded of the promises that he's given you. Makes sense? Of the truth that he tells us. And sometimes, this is weird, peace comes through the hard stuff too. There's times that I've found peace in the fact that he said, if they hated me, they'll hate you. That sounds sad on the surface, But in a weird way, it's proof of him, right? When he said that you think I came to bring peace, but I'm going to turn father against son, right? Family is going to turn on you because of me, and I know that's hard. Don't be fearful or troubled because I'm coming back, right? 
Drop down again. This is important. Or not drop down. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20. Go ahead. You can just go. When I say it, just go from now on. Because i got to move. I'm going too long. Remember the note I got? Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God. You are not your own. For you were bought at a price. What was the purpose? To glorify God with your body. What that really means, guys, is like with everything you do, with your life. I brought this first up because we're building something. So the Holy Spirit comes in you. And then Paul tells us in Corinthians through the Holy Spirit, he says, you are the temple. You are the, you are the temple where the Holy Spirit lived. At one point, people had to go to a physical place, right? Jews, good practicing Jews, to, to be in the presence of God to experience the presence of God. And now that thing that for thousands of years can only be found one place is now in you always. The very presence and power of God. Now, here's the moment where you either decide whether you're going to believe a dead man rose from the dead or you're not, because there ain't any in between. Because now we're getting into stuff that's not tangible. But this is truth. Why am I telling you this? Because you are empowered. Where God is, is power, right? Is God a slave to anything? No, he is in you. So you don't have to be a slave. You were empowered and sealed with this Holy Spirit. With the very power, right? The very presence of God. And it's going to teach you and remind you, but it's going to do something else. It's going to empower you. It's going to make you not a victim. So, you are empowered by this, right? This Holy Spirit's coming. You're empowered. Now, go to Romans 6. We'll start at verse 1. Listen to this. So, you're in this empowered temple. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? So, should you just do anything you want because that Holy Spirit's in you all the time? By no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Drop down to verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body, who's him, by the way? Tom? Who? Did you boo-boo? Guys, if you don't know this name, there you go. Thank you, Josh. Don't be shy. You guys talk over me all the time, and whenever I ask a question, you're like, Jesus. (laughs) That's your fault, David. Anyway, I'm just kidding. (laughs) <laughs> All right. We crucify with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Ooh, that's so good. Nothing? That's just kick. That's good stuff. Right? That's where down south my cousins would be like, amen. And you're all like, mmm, nice. Yeah, listen to that. We know that our old self was crucified with him. Why? In order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Your sin is nothing anymore, it's powerless. It doesn't identify you, it doesn't control you, it doesn't victimize you, and it doesn't enslave you. Let's keep going. For one who has died has been set free from sin. When I tell you when you've put your faith in Jesus, the old you's dead. It's over. You can, and some of you all got frustrated about this. You're like, I don't like this. I tried to go back to my old way, and I'm miserable, and I'm very angry about it. That's because you're different. You're transformed. You're a new creation. Did you just raise your hand, AJ? Yeah. (laughs) Nobody's even looking. He's like, that's me, man. Yeah. Right? I get it. And you're not the only one. We all do that. And that's proof that you're changed. You know, a fish can be like, I'm a cat. 
and jump on land. He ain't going to be happy, right? <laughs> this is why I get angry when I ask you a question and you just go, because she screams out. Anyway, yeah, you would be dead. You're right. All right, drop down to verse 12. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body. What does reign mean? Rule. Do not let sin, therefore, rule in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Don't allow this. Why would Paul tell you this through the Holy Spirit? Why would God tell you this to not allow it if you didn't have a choice? And this is the stuff that is not fun to hear. Do not present your members, parts of your body, to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Some of you all present your good deeds to God because you want a cookie. You're not actually a follower of Jesus. You're just a fan. You like it when he's giving you free bread and doing miracles, but as soon as you don't get what you want, you run off. And then you wonder why life's like this. It's not always going to be rainbows and sunshines. You don't get what you want. We don't give babies. One of the first lessons we teach babies and children is you don't get what you want all the time. Because it's not always good for you. And yet we grow up and we live that way and we think, well, I hate God and I'm running away because I didn't get what I wanted. I have a quote on my Facebook when it's active. It's not now, right? From Tolkien, it says, Faithless is he that says farewell when the road darkens. What a faithless person we are when we walk away because it gets a little darker. Because we don't believe that he's going to come through with what he promised. I get it. I don't either sometimes. But we don't, we don't go to God to get from God. We go to God to give to God. You present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness, your saints. For sin will have no dominion over you. Ooh, remember the domain of darkness? Right? It has no power over you because you are not under law but under grace. How interesting that it ties your religion right, as the antithesis of grace. That's a fancy word for opposite. Because trying to earn it, makes you a slave to those things because your entire life is about, ah, you know, i got to do this to get that. You're free from that. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Drop down to verse 16. i got to move. Do you not know that if you present yourselves, this is so good, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves the one of whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death or of obedience which leads to righteousness? Bottom line, every day, every moment, we choose to be a slave to sin or a slave to God. Right? We follow him, right? And righteousness and goodness, or we, like, we got to face that. So you didn't stumble onto that computer, guys. You didn't stumble onto it because you had a rough day. You chose to be enslaved by it. You put yourself willingly in chains <clears throat> which leads to death, or listen to this, obedience. There we go again. There's a choice, right? You can choose to obey, or you can choose not to. Obedience, which leads to righteousness. How interesting. It doesn't feel that way. I'm that guy. I don't like obeying all the time. I'm a bit of a rebel. 
okay? I'm serious. I, I don't know why I'm trying to talk you into it. I'm, anyone that knows me, I, I don't like that. And I'm going to tell you guys, there are times that how I was raised conflicts with what Jesus is raising me to be. And, I, and I'm not, this is, the easiest one for me to talk about is like, man, I hate even saying this. Like, I am the kind of guy that, like, I'm done with you. If you betray me, I'm not going to be mean to you. You just cease to exist to me. That's the truth. I have no idea what that was, but yeah, it was scary, right? It was Norman, wasn't it? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, right? I'm serious. So I will think that, and God tells me not to, but, and here's the thing. There have been times in, in our church that some, this happened. AJ's a great example. He asked me this one time, and it's a good question. He said, Todd, how many times, and he didn't mean to do this. He's like, dude, what do we do when this person's saying sorry all the time, but we know they're not actually going to follow through? And I go, I know, that's when Peter said, how many times must I forgive? Right, 70 times 7. He's right. From a human perspective, I can look at a situation and go, that guy's not changing. He's just saying what he needs to do to get out of it. We had a guy, we got to be careful here. We had this happen in our church. We had people before, right, Matthew 18, we talk about it here, and sometimes our church is weird with this. God tells us how to handle sin within our church. You go to them, and if they don't change, you take someone with you so the facts are established. Then you take someone else, and if that still doesn't change, most churches don't do this. You take them before the church. If they still don't repent, right, you treat them as a tax collector and an unbeliever. Tax collector, you're like, wow, what's the IRS have to do this? It means a traitor. The tra- a traitor. We had this happen. We had a guy that came. I knew the guy came back after step three. All right, Actually, it was after step four, but he said he came back. I made a video with this guy. So he, at the, our congregation would be like, hey, we're with him, okay? I knew he wasn't actually repentant, but I had to trust God's way, right? And the reality is in doing that, the truth of who he was was revealed even more. Does this make sense? I'm not saying that even to talk about the guy. What I'm saying is that wasn't fun for Todd because Todd goes, I'm smarter than that. But we have to trust God's ways are higher than our own. We have to obey, because only in that does it lead to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Big fancy words for you're following Jesus, all right? And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness, servants of righteousness. And he says, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. I'm trying to make this understandable for you. For just as you, were, you once presented your members, your parts, your body, your life as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. You ever notice that? Whenever you do something stupid, you tend to rack up the stupid things. At least I do. And then sometimes you're like, well, I've already done a bunch of stupid stuff now. What's the point? You ever had that? Uh, some of you are smiling. Yeah, you're like, I've already burned it. Let's burn this mother, right? Don't do that. That's, yeah, even Luke, Wow. Yeah, <laughs> you sit on the outside, brother. That's your fault. What'd you say? He's the bad boy. <laughs> Jenny goes, bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> it's got tattoos, I told you. Anyway, so now present your members, your body, your life, as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Sanctification's fancy word for leading to becoming more like Jesus. Leading to becoming more like Jesus. And drop down to verse 23, and I brought this up, and there's both hard truth and encouragement. For the wages of sin is death. Hey, you earned that. Wages. 
those things that happen, man, that's hard for me. You know, sometimes people use your sin to sin against you. You know what I'm saying? You mess up, and then they say they're justified in treating you that way, and they shouldn't. They shouldn't do that, but they do. And one of the things I had to learn is, like, God, that's not fair. That's not fair. It's wrong, but it would have never happened if I hadn't taken that one step, right? He didn't do that to me. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you want life or do you want death? Do you want a life filled with life? I know what I said. Or do you want a life filled with a bunch of little deaths? Right? A Christian, and we're shown this right here, right? We talk about being enslaved. Paul's making this example. You used to be, I love the example of, I've, I've thought of this before, of a prison cell. And you're in this prison cell. And some of your prison cells are really big because you're all really successful. So if you want, it's a real fancy prison cell with some, like, you know, big TVs or something, whatever. It's a prison cell, and you were chained. You've been freed by Jesus. We walk out. But some of you would rather walk in and put those chains around your wrist, pretend you're chained in there because it's more comfortable for you. You choose slavery over freedom because at least you get that. Right? I'm the king of my little cell. What I want you to take from this is we're building, right? You have the Holy Spirit that's going to teach you and remind you and bring you peace if you allow it. You're the empowered temple, right, with the Holy Spirit in it. You have power. You're not a victim. And now we're told a fact as we build on that. Due to those things, you are not a victim to sin. When you choose, you are a slave to it. You are choosing the wrong thing. You're choosing it. I'm going to talk about in a second. Guys, we do enough sinful stuff in our, in our flesh, right? The things we don't even think about, right? There are times we do wrong because the standard's perfection, right? So there's things we do that, we, that happen before we even catch it, and that's what grace is for. Grace is not meant to be abused for those times when we willingly choose sin. Do you get the difference? Do you? If you don't, do this, because that's a significant thing. All right, I need God's grace enough for the times I shoot off at the mouth out of habit, right? Because that's really habit, and it's still wrong and sinful. That I don't need to sit there and look at someone and willingly choose to do it. That's when I become enslaved. And I think a lot of times as Christians, there's kind of different, you know, we, we all get messed up. On the one hand, we think we're condemned every time we mess up, and then some of you all are like, I'm so good, I can do whatever I want. That's not going to protect you, right? Your grace doesn't protect you from the consequences, the natural consequences that come from following evil, right? Sin. So I want you to take from that is you have to choose sin. And that when you choose that, you're choosing death. Just because you don't burn your house to the ground the first time you set a fire in the corner of it doesn't mean that the fifth, sixth, seventh, tenth time that might not happen. And that's terrifying. That's not what I mean, and we'll get to that. I don't want you to live in fear. All right, move on to the end here. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> you know what? I got to check something. Yep, my other notes. I thought they, uh, whole page here. Only 30 more minutes. Anyway, <laughs> that's the rebel in me. You shouldn't have put that note in my box. 
Galatians chapter 5. This is a big chapter for us. Chapter 5, we're going to start at verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Woo! Remember what I told you at the beginning? For freedom. You've been set free. Listen, you aren't here to be, have a bunch of rules. Just follow the Spirit. That's the number one rule, right? Follow God. Love God. Love others. If you do those two things, you're good. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You see what I did there, Hannah? My yoke is easy, right? The yoke of slavery is not. God knew what he was doing when he chose these words. Will you follow him, take on that yoke, right? Or will you take on the yoke of slavery to sin? Jump down to verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Drop down to 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The flesh, this helps you. It's those evil things in us, right? Those selfish things, those grumpy, those hateful things. You know, all those things that we, we hate, right? The things that, that that voice wants us to do. We're going to talk about those voices we hear. Sometimes there's a voice inside of us. The traitor is what I call him, right? That's that sinful side. And then we have an enemy, too. And the traitor wants to work with the enemy. Whole different thing. I'm getting ahead of myself. We've got a whole series coming. Really cool image he made. Right, AJ? There you go. You get, that's the only shout-out you're ever getting. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will, not satis- you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So if you follow that Holy Spirit that's already in you, if you choose to follow it, if you choose to follow it and listen to it and let it teach you and remind you, you will not gratify, you will not give in to that sinful side. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit against the flesh, for they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the thing you want to do. Your sinful nature is like a heavy chain. It's trying to hold you back as you're pursuing Christ. But it's just an illusion. It's not really tied to anything. Right? You have to just keep following and trusting and listening. Drop down to 19. Now the works, I always like the fact that it says works versus fruit, because it's like you've got to work to sin as a Christian you got to choose it. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity. It's like uh, having an enemy. Strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Remember earlier I told you that we play with things that send other people to hell without the Spirit? Any of you all not done any of those? Don't raise your hand because you're a liar and you're going to trick yourself and you've already proven it. Yeah, you have. Of course you have. 22. So you have the works of the flesh, but the fruit, the natural outpouring of the Spirit when we follow it, the thing that just happens. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The fruits of the Spirit, nobody hates those things. You ever met someone who's like, man, I just hate joyful people? <laughs> well, then you got a problem. Some of you are all like, yeah, me. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Some of you, you didn't say. Some of you, right? Have you ever heard, I hate love, right? Yeah, I'm not talking about on Valentine's Day. I'm just saying, no, of course not. 
There's no shame in the fruit of the Spirit. There's no condemnation in it. It only brings life. You know, I talk about things sometimes that are deep because I believe you're smart, and I think you have the capability. Some of you are all like, this isn't deep at all. That's because you're smart. But some of you all are like, why does he talk in all these? Because you're a saint. I'm not going to talk to you like a two-year-old, right? You're a saint. <clears throat> Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have, Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You have already killed it. If we live by the Spirit, if that Spirit's in you, if you follow it, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If that Spirit's already in you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, walk with the Spirit. Listen to it. And some of you in the room that aren't Christians, you still have heard the Holy Spirit. You want to know what it is? It's that voice that you get mad at that says something about this is true. And then all that, that other voice that tells you all the reasons it's not, you ever ask yourself why that voice is doing that? Why does it not want you to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Why does it not want you to have that? If we live by the Spirit, let us, all keep, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Listen, you know the right thing to do because that's who you are now. Naturally, apples grow on apple trees, right? And naturally, these things will come natural to you. You have to choose. They come natural, by the way. An apple tree grows apples if it's watered, put in the sun, right? You're a Christian. Are you in the Word? Are you doing what He said? Do you do the do's as much as you care about not doing the don'ts? Read the Bible, pray. Do you pray anymore? I'm not talking about, God, thank you for this food. Do you ask him to help you in those moments? Because here's where it gets weird. I'm about to be really real with you. You know why you don't pray? Because you want the sin. You don't want to pray for him to help me to get through this moment of lust because there's a big part of you that wants it. But you, which, which voice are you going to listen to? Right? What are you going to be enslaved to? Or hate. You know the right thing. And here's what we have to, to, to tell ourselves. I told you this at the beginning. Guys, girls, ladies, men, saints, you're choosing wrong. Now, some of you are really good at religion. And this is where, like, I got to get all of you. Because some of your struggles are your religious. So you think because you don't lust outwardly because you don't say mean things, because you dress appropriately, and because you give your offering and don't watch rated R movies and all this stuff, that you're good. Are you in community? Do you serve? Do you help the poor? Do you really? Do you look for ways to help people? Do you have you committed to a church body? Not because you th that voice is like, he wants me here because he wants me. I don't want anything from you. I'm just telling you what God says. Look it up. It's in Hebrews. Do you? Because if you don't, you're not being obedient. That's the bottom line. Of course the enemy doesn't want you to be committed to a church family because if they know you, right, they're going to help you and encourage you to beat and not be a slave to sin and then... Here, and you're like, okay. And you know else why he want this voice, that part of you doesn't want that? Because it also doesn't want you encouraged, loved, forgiven. And some of you all justify, this is me. So when I say some of you all, I'm, I'm in this club. You use the ways that you've been betrayed and hurt to justify 
not being committed to a body because they hurt you. I was just told this week, and the person's right. They said, Todd, you hate Christians. And I, I admit it, I do. It's funny, I don't hate individual Christians, but the concept of I do because I'm so hurt. My anger comes from deep hurt. But what does that mean? So I'm just never going to be in church again? Well, how does that make sense? Right? This I told you. My jacked up finger here, I'm just going to chop it off because it's weird shaped. No, I'm not going to do that. We've got to be honest. If you're not obedient in one area, you're not obedient. Right? And the beauty is the Spirit only, if it reminded us of everything we need to change at once, we'd blow up. But He doesn't. And I, you, this is one of those messages where if you're not honest with yourself, you're going to get nothing from it. What are you not choosing right in? What are you not choosing right in? It's so funny when I say some of y'all, I can hear you, you know, getting mad because I'm you. I would too. That's how I make the excuses. You've come up with all the reasons why that thing that's being brought up to your mind right now by the Holy Spirit, I didn't do it. Why you're arguing with it. All the reasons why not. You're not arguing with Todd. You're arguing with the Holy Spirit. You're arguing with God. And all I want you to do today, even if you don't obey, that's not my job to get you to obey. It's not my job to, pre- to get you to present your members, right, your body and life to God as weapons of righteousness. My job is I just want you to be honest with what you're doing. You want to walk out of here and not change? Fine. But don't lie to yourself. Don't be a slave. Admit that you're willingly walking in that fire. Tell the truth to yourself. And here's the thing. I'm going to tell you the reason right now. I don't have to know anything else. I'm going to tell you why you don't. Why you don't want to do that thing that's in your mind, why you're arguing, why you don't obey, why you don't choose right in that thing, because you do not trust him. I'm talking to myself. You do not trust him. You do not believe if you hold on for one more minute that that temptation is going to pass. You do not believe that your loneliness is going to pass. You do not believe that he has good for you. You do not believe he's right about church. You do not believe he's right about serving. You do not believe he's right about respecting your husband. You do not believe he's right about loving your wife. You do not believe it. You do not trust it. Because what if he's lying to you? So you'll come here on Sundays and then go party during the week because just in case he doesn't bring you peace, patience, love, joy, that warm body and that bottle will. Does it? Does it? That's what I had to face, guys. I don't trust him. If he loves me, why does he let them say what they say about me? Why can't I fight back? Why can't I punch that little weasel in the face? Right? I'm bigger than him. What do I live for if I can't use it to punch somebody in the face, right? Why can't I hate them for hating me? Why can't I attack their ministry and attack them because I could? Why can't I use the secrets I know from when I worked there against them? Why can't I? Because where are you, God? 
But one thing I know, and I probably will get emotional, is I thought I understood grace. I thought I understood it. Right? I did, this whole thing, man. But I have learned the depths of grace. And I don't know if I would have learned that without being in the fire of their hatred. Without understanding what the opposite is, right? You don't trust him. And he's patient with you. But don't lie to yourself and don't lie to him. Do not lie to yourself. Some of you wives in here, you're like, the marriage is going great. I run things and it's awesome. So God, you know, I get it. I'm supposed to respect him. I respect him by not calling him a moron every day. Not respect. Husbands, right? I love. I love her. I don't tell her how much I don't like her pancakes. Do you love as Christ loves the church? It's convicting, right? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Do you love the person next to you the way you want to be loved? Do you like being unforgiven? Do you like when people are bitter at you? Do you like when people hate you? Do you like when people lie to you? Do you like being lonely? Do you like being afraid? Why would you do that to other people? Here's some encouragement. Romans 3, chapter 23 and 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Man, we fall short even when we do try. How awesome is it that we're justified as the gift that he's offered? And how arrogant are some of you in this room that when offered the free gift of life would rather choose death and tell yourself that the gift isn't real? Just be real with yourself. You don't want to follow him because you like being God. You like being the one who knows what's right and wrong, even though it doesn't work out for you all the time. Romans 5, chapters 19 and 21. This is so, for just as through one man's disobedience the many were made righteous, so also through the one man's obedience the many will be, I'm sorry, disobedience the many were made sinners, so also through one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Adam, sin came in the world. The perfect Adam obeyed, and we get the benefits of that too. The law came along to multiply the trespass. The laws, the rules came along to show us how bad we are that we need those things, right? But where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Maybe today is the day that you're going to have to recognize that you haven't trusted, you haven't been obedient, and you've chosen the wrong way, and the first thing that comes to your mind is shame and condemnation. That's not true either. Because no matter how far you go, he's already there. You can't out God's grace. You can't. I don't care what anyone's told you. Well, they told me if I do this, it's over. Why did Jesus say it's finished then? Today is a day, the hope, remember I told you there's hope. The hope is if you've been choosing wrong over and over and over, today can be the day that you choose right and stop. That you don't have to live in shame. You don't have to live in condemnation, fear, all those things that you've been living in. Because that's what the wage of sin do, man, that death. Sometimes it's the death of, like, the lies, right? Your hope, your joy. It tells you you're a monster. It tells you you are those things. You're not. You're just a saint that's choosing wrong. 
doesn't change the fact you're a saint. So what if today you started choosing right? What if you're honest with yourself about that one thing? God is so good. He ain't going to try to make you fix it all today. But that thing he brought to your mind, he does want you to respond to that today. She's going to come play some music. I'm going to go three more hours. <laughs> uh, I'm going to ask you a question. You know, this picture's so good, man. That's really what it all boiled down to, right, in the garden. Don't let anybody trick you that it was some complicated thing. That was all about, I said don't do it. You don't have to know why. I said it was wrong. Will you trust me or do you want to be God? And before you go, well, I didn't do that. You do it every day. Right or wrong, which one do you more often choose? If life's going hard for your Christians, like, man, he's not coming through with me. Be real with yourself. How many times do you choose to be a slave to sin and then wonder why you aren't getting any good fruit? Right or wrong, which one do you choose more often? Are you tired of being confused, feeling ashamed, scared, condemned, wondering what to do? Are you tired of that? You don't have to. You know what's right. Stop fooling yourself. Here's the thing. Confusion and fear and condemnation comes because we do that stupid thing, right? And then we got to spend two or three weeks scared and nervous and wondering, right? We do that sometimes. That's what happens. That's why he said, I love it. He said, there's no, there's no law against good things. There's nothing bad that comes from following me. It's when we don't. Listen to me. Are you tired of being confused, feeling ashamed, being nervous, scared, condemned, and wondering what to do? Here's your answer. You ready? Do the right thing. There's only one person that can tell you what that is, God. He tells you, and he's so awesome. He tells you in his word, and then he reminds you through his spirit. Do the right thing. Admit to yourself the area that you are not and do the right thing. And when you fall short, because sometimes you're going to, when you fall short, remember he's holding on to you even when you let go of him. Because we're sin multiplied, grace multiplied all the more. He's not done with you. He's not letting go of you. Guys, I have done things that the world says, I mean, they want to kill me, man. If it was legal, I think they'd kill me. Right? There are so many times that if I don't cling to what he said, I wouldn't do a single bit of this. When I choose to live out of the bitterness and the hurt. That's why I love and I cling. And you, if, you, if you know me, you know I say certain verses all the times, right? Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation in Christ. That's because it's what I cling to. If you've fallen short, maybe that's you today. Maybe yours is like, no, I know I've done wrong. I just can't get out of hating myself for it. That's doing wrong too because you've already been set free. Stand up. Walk out of that prison cell. Remember that you're free and you're never going to be a slave again, that he still loves you, that he's never let go of you. Don't listen to the crowd. Don't listen to the religious. Don't listen to the Christians. You can call anything anything else. It doesn't make them that. 
You can call a bat a bird, but it's not a bird, right? And someone can call themselves a Christian but not act like one. The Bible says, right, if someone says he loves God but hates his brother, he is a liar and and God is not in him. People have hated you and made you doubt. Reject that today. Choose right, which is come to him and let him heal you and love on you. It's time to stop lying to yourself no matter what you do today. It's time to live free. What is the thing that you need to let go of, repent of? That just means coming to God and saying, I'm done. I let it go. I'm turning away from it. I admit I've been doing it. I admit I've been choosing it. Forgive me. Right, he already has. But say it because you need to be reminded. And then walk away refreshed, clean, new, free. If you're in the room and you don't know Jesus, I've already told you the gospel. You're messed up. Me too. You are. And part of it's not your fault and part of it is. Right? Because God created everything perfect. Made Adam and Eve. Believe it or not, it doesn't matter. And he said, there's one rule for you, mankind. Enjoy all this. But I'm the author of right and wrong. I decide what is true and what isn't, what's right and what's wrong. And we chose wrong. And like a branch off a tree, we're snapped off and we're dying. Sin entered the world. It's both a condition. This is the part I said you can't, it's not your fault. You have a disease you can't cure. And it shows itself in the symptoms, right? It shows itself in the symptoms, the sinful actions that you choose to do. And here's the fact. Though you you were born with this, you're still held accountable because you still choose sin every day. You choose it. You disobey God. You hate and you envy and you lust and you lie and you do all these things and sometimes you try to read a book to to be better, right? The 10 steps to be a better person, but you can only get like four. It doesn't work. It's because no matter how many pills you take to stop the cough, if you don't treat the disease... You're still dying. I just told you the truth. The truth is what? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin are death, but here's the beauty. The free gift of God is grace through Jesus Christ, through redemption. What does that mean? Jesus, God sent his son. He invaded this earth. He taught us how to live. He told us the truth. God made flesh, and then he did something incredible. He existed by the way. Jesus of Nazareth existed. He died on the cross for your sins. That was wages of death. He will take it. But you have to be willing to give up your life. Give up your way. The Bible says very clearly, right? Jesus died on the cross. And then three days later, he rose from the death. He conquered death. Right? He conquered death. He conquered sin so that you can too. So it boils down to this. You have a choice today. You do. You can, you can tell yourself you might have another one tomorrow. You might, or you might get hit by a bus on the way out. Whether you believe or not, you will stand before a holy God and be judged. You will be judged on your evil actions, or you will be justified by Christ's perfect actions. Because this is the truth. You come to the cross, and God offers you an incredible opportunity today. If you come and you believe in Jesus Christ, you say, Lord, forgive me for what I've done. I'm sorry. I don't get it all, but I'm sorry. I'm tired of choosing wrong. I want to know what right is. Take my sin. The Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? From sin. From death. From being a slave. 
There's going to be people up here willing to pray with you. I'm roaming around like Batman. You can find me too. Don't leave today the same as you came in. I know it's late. I'm sorry you're late to Taco Bell. But, you know, eternity's worth it. And for those of you who are saved, newness, choosing the right way is worth it. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in. Because if you do, you're choosing to.